It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Lions insider Jeff Risden stops by to help break down the blockbuster move for TJ Hawkinson as the Vikings start to push their chips all in for a Super Bowl run. We're breaking it all down coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV, and on Care 11. Wednesday, Reg, hump day. How we feeling? Look. It was a wild Tuesday, okay? I'm still just trying to get in front of everything. I feel like it was news breaking left and right on Tuesday. Let's slow down Wednesday, okay? Let's slow down. (laughs) Lots to get into, as Reggie said. But first, remember, follow along, Locked on Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment, and on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Locked on M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson Show, you got the Football Party, and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local ex. Experts, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, and drop us a five-star review. All right, to football we go. Just minutes after the Vikings announced Irv Smith would be out eight to ten weeks with an ankle injury, the team made a blockbuster move at the deadline for Pro Bowl tight end TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson, former Pro Bowler, drafted with the ninth overall pick in 2019. He's going to team up with Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen is going to give Kirk Cousins one of the better skill position groups in the NFL as the Vikings send a message and push their chips all in. And to help break it all down, let's bring in USA Today writer, Lions expert, and our good friend, Jeff Risden. Jeff, you pretty much nailed it when predicting the compensation the Lions would get for TJ Hawkinson. You threw it on Twitter. I saw it. He'd likely go for a second and a fourth. Just another reason to follow this guy on Twitter, at Jeff Risden. What was your just initial thoughts of the trade? Dust is kind of settling here because I could see both sides of the coin, right? I mean, on one hand, he's one of the better young tight ends in the league, a little inconsistent in that Lions offense at times. Vikings needed a tight end in the worst way after Irv Smith went down. And as the Lions sit there at one and six, Hawkinson's $9 million contract coming up next year, I mean, it's probably not fun for Lions fans, I'm sure, but at the end of the day, did it kind of make sense? Yeah, there's nothing fun about being one and six. Uh, don't don't be fooled by that. It's it's rough. Um, I I think one of the things that hasn't been played up enough on the Detroit side is the injury to Irv Smith, and that created some urgency for the the Vikings. We need a tight end, and Hawkinson. I would say he's probably better all around than Irv Smith, so you're getting a bit of an upgrade there. But yeah, in in terms of what Detroit was doing. 
Look, Hawkinson averaged four catches for 44 yards uh, throughout his career. Most of the games, he was below that. He actually spiked it up with a couple of, of huge ones, including week four this year against Seattle, uh, which was one of the 10 best games by a tight end ever. Uh, so he is capable of doing that. But uh, the, the, the big thing was most weeks he's fourth or fifth in targets in the offense. And it's been consistent that way throughout the different offenses, no matter who's been in charge. Uh, he's played through three offensive coordinators, and he's never been higher than fourth in the pecking order. Um, that's not necessarily his fault. But if you're the Lions and you know you're not going to use it and you have a history of not using it, why would you pay for it? And I think that was the, the overriding thing was there wasn't dissatisfaction with TJ Hawkinson as a player or a performer, but in terms of value, it just wasn't there for Detroit. Uh, and it, it could very well be there for Minnesota, which, you know, look, look, I, I, Kevin O'Connell's offense uses the tight end uh, probably a little bit more. I, I, I personally think he's a phenomenal fit for the way that the tight end gets used uh, in Minnesota, probably better than he was in Detroit. Look, he's a good player, uh, good guy. I liked him. Um, very personable, very easy to talk to. The media is going to like him. He's always you know, willing to talk a little bit. Uh, fun guy, fun guy off the field. Um, does the TEU stuff with uh, with Kelsey and Kittle. But, yeah, it's, it was, it's rough because basically it was an acknowledgement for a lot of people there were still people in, in Lions Land, believe it or not, that had a lot of hope still for this season. Like, oh, we're, we just need one win, and then we can turn around and get going. And, and this was like, nah, man, like we're our tight ends, Brock Wright and James Mitchell now. Like, we're done. Uh, and that, that was a tough pill to take. Yeah. It seems a team that is, you know, young and ascending, or if you watch Hard Knocks, you thought they were young and ascending, but, you know, things have just kind of fallen off a little bit why would they get rid of one of their one premium picks? He's a pro bowler and also a, a guy that you feel like could be a building block for what you're doing in the future, especially if maybe the thing with Jared Goff doesn't work out. You get a young quarterback, young quarterbacks love throwing to their tight ends. He's a, a, a good player. Why would the lions give up a, a guy that could be a building block? And also with that, what do you see the Vikings getting now that they insert Hawkinson into that offense? Yeah, uh, good questions, Reg. Uh, I, I think in terms of getting rid of him, it, it is financially based. This is like he's due $9.4 million on the fifth-year option next year. He's already – I shouldn't say Hawkinson because Hawkinson does not talk contract. He has his representation mm -hmm. do it. They had initially approached the Lions with a figure that was clearly more than the Lions would ever be willing to pay. Uh, and and uh, I, I wrote this yesterday uh, up at Lions Wire. The baseline contract that he's looking for, the absolute floor, is what David Njoku got from the Browns, which is uh, four years, $54 million. Lions, they just don't have that, that value need for a tight end, um, as good as Hawkinson is. That's just not something that they can do when they have to budget so many other things out there. So uh, it, it, it's more of a financial move. Getting rid of him now while the value is still higher, um, before he uh, gets hurt again. And I'm going to knock on wood on that because uh, I, I root for him. But, dude, 28 of the last 32 weeks he's been on the team's injury report. He missed uh, four games one year, three, uh, five games another um, with different lower body injuries. You'll see it when you watch him play. He's a guy that, um, to get into what the, the, the Vikings are getting here, He's a capable receiver. He's a capable blocker, but there's always like a little bit of fuzz around that that edge, man. Um, he gets tackled hard a lot. 
he he's one of those guys who thinks he can hurdle, but he can't hurdle. Uh, and that, that has led to some trouble. So my personal thing of how you would use him, I love him flexed out. He's not a great inline blocker. Uh, he's powerful. He's strong, but he doesn't always have the best technique. He tends to aim too high with his hands and will slip off and over blocks. Um, not much of a pass protector. You want him out as a receiver. That, that's where his value is. Flex him out. Love him as the inside slot option in a bunch formation. I uh, love him as the, the flexed out tight end inside Justin Jefferson, because I think that creates real havoc for safeties. Like, where do I go on this? Because he, Hawkinson is too good to cover with just a linebacker. If you try that, you're going to get smoked. Seattle found that out the hard way, uh, and he put up just a phenomenal game. Uh, Miami actually did it this past weekend. He's coming off a good game. And uh, that, that's sort of the, the, you know, the, the sell high, sell hot <laughs> mantra. Uh, I, I think Lions GM Brad Holmes did that there. He's going to catch passes. He's, he's a capable receiver. Uh, he gets dog for his drops. Uh, he, he tends to have like one or two per season that are just like, dude, no. Mm. But overall, I, I never really had an issue with his hands other than one specific instance. He's fine there. Blocking. This is the see. This is the rub with with Hawkinson. He can do it, and he's shown you that he can do it, but he's inconsistent with it. Uh, one of the big things that that was notable, and you, you saw this every week on game film, uh, in run blocking, specifically when he was flexed outside, he's always the guy helping Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift up after they get tackled by the guy he was supposed to be blocking. Like he just oh, does man. not find targets in space <laughs> naturally. Um, sometimes he will, and and it will be good at it, but. There's a whole lot of him just like, oh, 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 man, let me help you up because you just got smacked by the guy I was supposed to be taking <laughs> care of. So uh, I, my general impression from what I've seen from Minnesota is I do think that most Vikings people are overrating his blocking ability. And again, it's not that he can't do it, it's just that he doesn't do it all the time. And he is not a guy who takes plays off. He's not a guy who's you know going to not going to give you everything just because the team is one and six and they're losing, you know, 37 to seven in a game. He's still the guy who's going to go out there and battle. That's who he is. That's one of the, that's one of the things you all should be excited about because he is, he has that warrior, you know, WWE mentality. He brings that man. He, he's an intense dude. He does have some leadership skills. He's a guy that's going to get along well with, with, with guys in the locker room. And, uh, you know, I, I again, I wish him well, man. He, he's a good dude. Uh, he gave Detroit a lot of good things over the years, just just not enough to to afford the the fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollars a year contract that he was was going to be looking for this summer. And by the way, that's something you got to look out for. He signed for nine point four million next year. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to play for nine point four million next year. He wants the extension now. Mm-hmm. How that plays into my to Minnesota's uh, time frame and their salary cap? That's that's y'all's problem. <laughs> yeah, so many great points there. You mentioned the David Njoku four-year 55 mil contract that you're kind of comparing what his market should look like. So that's going to be interesting to see what the Vikings do with that. You also mentioned the blocking. I just still have that Iowa tape when he came out from 2019 ingrained in my mind. Him pancaking dudes in the Big Ten left and right. It's just interesting to see that hasn't transitioned quite as well as a lot of people would have thought going into the NFL. Jeff, you're the godfather to draft, so let's get some draft talk rolling. And Lions, they're loaded now, scheduled to have the number one overall pick. You study the draft like nobody else. Who's the number one quarterback on your board right now? I know it's early, but you're hoping the Lions kind of hone into as that draft process starts. I am a C.J. Stroud fan, uh, and mm. I don't apologize for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 so he's coming off of what was probably his worst performance in terms of draft 
stock on um, playing against Penn State. Penn State pressured him and he got rattled. And that's mm-hmm. that's disturbing. I uh, hadn't really seen that from him, but man, he throws such a great pass to any range of the field, short, medium, long. It's pinpoint, and it's always when it needs to be there, too. You know, you don't just talk about where the ball needs to be. It's got to be there on time, and he's really, really good about doing that. Uh, handling pressure, escaping, um, that, those are things that, that I need to see a little bit more from. But, uh, yeah, he's number one for me. Bryce Young is a fantastic college talent. I'm scared to death of his size, and I cannot get mm. past that. Uh, and I will say this as a Lions fan who has watched – Second-round picks and third-round picks get set on fire because we're drafting guys who can't stay on the field. A six-foot-tall, maybe 190-pound, maybe quarterback uh, who's already had a shoulder problem because he took a hit that he couldn't avoid. I I can't do that. Doesn't mean that I don't like Bryce Young or that I think he's not going to be good somewhere. I just don't want Detroit to be the team that takes that risk. Not at this point, anyways. Uh, let me just follow right. up with that super quick. Is there any guys that maybe weren't on the radar, considered top three, like a Will Levis, that have really risen during this uh, season of college football? I'm sure Hendon Hooker has to be on that list from Tennessee. Yeah, Hook, Hooker definitely is. Uh, he's overaged, but man, there, there's a lot to like about Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, games, the way that he's stringing together good game after good game, you know, one of the things that you see is occasionally a guy will have like two or three good games and then they'll have a game where they fall back. Um, and, and that's typical of a middle round pick. And I still think he's going to be a second, third round pick based on his age and, and the fact that he hasn't been great before this year. But yeah, he, he's, he's doing really well. I like Max Duggan from TCU, who has taken mm-hmm. a huge step now that Sonny Dykes has taken over that offense down there. He is proving that he can be more of a system quarterback and, and like, He's a weird case because he was a guy that was kind of like Jake Plummer. Like, I'm at my best when I'm going outside the structure of the offense and making things happen. And now he's doing things like he's he's keeping the trains on time in a precise offense. And he's, he leads, led the nation in accuracy. I don't know if he still does. Uh, I assume he does because he had a pretty good game this past weekend. Look, he's thrown to a phenomenal wide receiver in Quentin Johnson, who should be the Love first him. wide receiver taken. I, I, I like Duggan, man. I, if, if he's there in the fourth or fifth round in your team, even if you've got a quarterback, if you've got Kirk Cousins, like he's he's a hell of a lot better than Kellen Mond. So that, that's the kind of guy you – if, if you're looking for a guy that you, that you don't need to start right away but can be a, a two that can play for two or three weeks, Taylor Heineke is an example of that. Um, Jacoby Brissett is an example of that. Guys that can be capable long-term backups, you know, fill-in starters – I, I think Max Duggan fits that bill pretty nicely, and I'm I, I'm very excited about him. Aside from the fact that most of my uh, immediate family here is TCU Frog fans, so I watch every game. But yeah, it's, uh, he, he's playing good, and I, I'm excited about him. Man, we were talking draft in November. Leave it to Luke. Reggie loves Leave it. it to what, Mr. Spin. <laughs> Reggie here loves it. Go. Yeah, right. No, right. It, it's funny though. You you mentioned. Um, Duggan playing in Sonny Dyke's system as you are watching a quarterback who played for Sonny uh, week in and week out. You got Jared Goff and then I think it was Davis Webb right behind him and he yeah. had a okay time, you know, in the league. Um, it, it's interesting to see how Sonny Dyke's quarterbacks kind of transition. And so I, I think that's going to be something to watch as, as Duggan kind of rises up, as TCU rises up. I know a lot of people are upset about um, where they stand in the CFP rankings <laughs> after yesterday, but we won't go there. Let's 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 talk a little bit more uh, Lions, Jeff. I do not like how they did my guy Jim Caldwell 
and it, I know it's it's way over the fact it's is is long gone now. But now you let it go, guys. Rich. Let it okay. go. All right. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. But no, no. Probably the it, most successful quarter. Yeah, probably most the most successful guy that they've had in a long time. Thirty six and twenty eight during his time there, and they let him go after a winning season. And then now, look, I like Dan Campbell. I think I thought the dude was just like this big like meathead dude or whatever. Watch Hard Knocks, and I'm like, oh man, this is a guy to get behind. But like they are not, they are not playing well under him. And I think the the train kind of started to fall off the wheels after that Vikings loss on September 25th because you know he he didn't know what a punter was in that game going for it on fourth down all those times and then he he missed times you know going for the field goal when maybe he should have been a little bit more aggressive because he kind of had the Vikings defense on his heels just doesn't seem to have the the right feel for the game like how would you you know sum up Dan Campbell's tenure there and and what do you think his future is in Detroit yeah uh I think uh from from Monday through Saturday he's a great coach great Mm. coach no Mm. no doubt in my mind about it uh in game coaching he's got to get better and he's got to get better very quickly we have seen better decisions in the last couple weeks since the bye I think he took an honest assessment of what he was missing like that field goal attempt and and, what are you doing, dude? Like, th- there's no benefit. He, he didn't. He didn't have a good grasp of applying analytical models to how the game is being played, and like that. That's a tough thing for a lot of coaches. There's a marriage there that has to be found, or a, a happy medium. And I don't think he's found it yet. I think he's looking for it. I think he relied too much on analytics early, and now has gone and eschewed them a little too much the other way. The last two weeks have been better, but the, the team just hasn't played that well. And some of that's a reflection on the fact that they just don't have a lot of talent. And that's the part where you separate. Like, how much – why are they 1-6? and six? They're primarily 1-6 and six because their defense has got awful. It's on pace to be one of the three worst in NFL history. Uh, it has gotten better, believe it or not, in the last few weeks. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, giving up 31 points and having that be improvement is – that tells you how bad it's been. The personnel is rough. Uh, I do think that Dan Campbell and the the assistant coaching staff that he has around him, um, which you know subtracted Aubrey Pleasant yesterday as a defensive backs coach, uh, they are all very good at player development. Excuse me, and teaching and like like bringing young players along, and the, the you don't necessarily get the immediate rewards from that. We do see progress in young players like Kirby Joseph, the the rookie safety. Uh, Josh Pascal, the the second round defensive mm-hmm. end, has only played two games. He's played very well. You're seeing yeah. um, second, third year guys that are stepping up a little bit and, and playing better over time. But in terms of like like game preparation, in game adjustments has been a huge issue for Dan Campbell. And I'm I don't know if that's going to get better, quite honestly. And that that that's probably the biggest worry. Um, just to go back to Jim Caldwell a second. Um, because it, it's, it is it is still a, a relevant issue in, in some Detroit circles. Uh, I was on board with them getting rid of him with the reason why they got rid of him was that they, they felt that the team had plateaued under him and was never going to get any better. Mm. The unspoken part of that is, is that the next guy that comes in has to be better, otherwise you made a colossal mistake. 
The next mm-hmm. guy they brought in was probably the worst coach I've ever seen outside of Hugh Jackson. <laughs> and, and I've seen a lot of coaches. Like, I, for a living, in the last 10 years, I've covered the Texans, Lions, and Browns. I know me oh. some bad coaching. Ooh, Matt Patricia you've is seen some stuff. Darn near bottom of that list. Uh, and uh, that just that fell flat. The big thing with Jim Caldwell, and back at the time, it wasn't necessarily as big of a controversial move amongst the fan base as it was. He had 10 players on defense against the Hail Mary twice. They lost Oof. both games. That Oof. can't happen. Like, that, that's a team. They win the NFC North in 2014 if he has 11 oh. players on the field. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that was always hard to overlook with him. Look, he was prickly to the media. That's okay. Are you still, like, that's fine. That, that's his prerogative. I, like, we don't, we don't have mm-hmm. to like him. He doesn't have to like us. Um, but he just – the other thing was, and, and this reflects on what they did with Aubrey Pleasant this week, uh, he was loyal to really, really bad assistant coaches. Joe Lombardi, mm-hmm. who is now ruining the Chargers offense. He had to be told to fire him. They went to London. They played, they played the Vikings in London one year. No, it wasn't the Vikings. They played the city in London one year. Mm-hmm. And he was told on the plane over that Joe Lombardi cannot be the offensive coordinator when we come back to the States. And he almost quit over it. Like his wow. loyalty to bad assistants. The defensive coordinator at that time was Joe Barry. How do you think Packers fans are feeling right now about Joe Barry and his, like, yeah. he would not yeah. get rid of guys who were not performing. That was a big knock against him. Look, Jim Caldwell, he. He probably deserves another chance somewhere uh, above the XFL or AAFL or wherever the hell he's been since then. <laughs> like, like he, he's a good coach, but I think the Lions were correct in saying that he was never going to be better than that, and that wasn't going to be good enough for where the team was. Unfortunately, they just made a colossally awful hire after that, and uh, it, it, it makes him look better in, in the – the retrospect of time. A couple quick ones just to end here. Jeff, you got to follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Jeff Risden. We're in this Minnesota bubble, and even Vikings fans don't know what to think about this Vikings team. From an outsider's perspective, how do you view what the Vikings are doing? Like, what's the Lions? What, what's the NFC North saying about this team? Six and one, yeah, but is it more luck or is it skill at this point? Like, are they going to strike any fear, actually, once they get into the playoffs? What do you think about this Vikings squad so far from what you've seen? Uh, they're not as good as Philadelphia, uh, but beyond that, they're as good as any team in the <laughs> NFC. And I think their ability to win games in different ways and win close games and not choke under the pressure of a close game. Like last year, weren't didn't they have the worst record in one score games last year? And now I think they're five and zero this year. Like that, yeah, that's, worst record ever in NFL history. Yeah. The last two minutes of halves, right there, just just somehow right there. they're worst in history. They're different this year. Yeah. Give, give Kevin O'Connell credit. Uh, he knows what he's doing with that. I think give Kirk Cousins a lot of credit. I think Kirk has stepped up. I think he's playing the best football I've seen him play um, for, for a consistent level. But again, the top end talent is there on offense. The offensive line, very pleasant surprise for me um, with a lot of those guys. Uh, you know, Brian O'Neill is a guy that I kind of dogged in the draft process. I was wrong there, man. Guys, me good. too. Uh, yeah. And, and wow. The, 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 the whole offensive package, I think, is really smartly conceived, and adding T.J. Hawkins to that, is, that's a good move. So they're, they're capable of beating anybody that they see in the postseason. I, I still think Philadelphia is better. I think the way Dallas plays can give them some trouble. Um, we'll mm-hmm. see how that goes. But like as, as far as like the West goes, they're, they're fine. Um, I think mm-hmm. defensively, again, they're making enough plays. I would like to see them make a few more in games but uh, the, uh hey you can't argue with the results when you're getting by the way you are 
um, and, and doing it with a rookie coach, a rookie GM. Um, and I think, honestly, the the aggressive nature of, of Kwesi really opens things up. Like, I think it, it told the players, like, hey, like like Mike, Mike Zimmer, I don't, want, I don't want to say anything bad about Mike Zimmer, but I think the team had gotten stale under him and, and the message wasn't mm-hmm. always getting through. I, I think mm-hmm. that the change in messenger and the change in attitudinal culture in Minnesota has been very good. I don't think that's going to go away anytime this season. With that being said, like, how far do you see this Vikings team going? They can win. They can win a couple of playoff games, and and like, hey, oh. if the ball bounces right, you know, Jalen Hurts has a bad day, something like that. You know, the defense comes up and 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 rises up. There's no reason they can't represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Like that, that's going a long ways from now. But look, they're going to win the North. They're going to have that wrapped up very soon because uh, I, I think all three opponents are all going down i mean i hate to say that about detroit because you can't really go down from being the worst team in the league but like chicago trading away roquan smith and, and trading away robert quinn like that they're no threat green bay i mean it, it's hard to it's hard to put nails in those coffins but aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers might be holding the hammer so i'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that so then you're getting into the postseason you're playing the rams or the Giants in the first round, or maybe the Buccaneers, if they happen to emerge from the South. Like Atlanta's the best team in the South right now, which blows my mind. You know, mm. you're going to get a very favorable matchup where you're going to be favored at home in your first game. Second game's probably going to be at home too, um, unless it's the NFC Championship game uh, and you're still within striking distance of Philly. I don't think they're going unbeaten. I do think that they're the best team in the league, but Minnesota mm-hmm. is definitely there in, the, in that next tier. When you're talking about, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, um, Dallas, I think, is is getting into that tier. Uh, that's that's Minnesota belongs in that group, and I, and I think that most people around the country are starting to, to sense that. You know, the, the good teams find ways to win games, and that's yeah. exactly what Minnesota is doing. That makes them a good team, and that makes them formidable going forward. Yeah, Seahawks and Falcons leading their division through eight weeks. Nobody saw that coming. You mentioned the Eagles. You think they're the powerhouse. Just real quick, give me your Super Bowl prediction before we let you go. And I won't blame you if you go chalk Bills, Eagles, because if I was in Vegas, that's what I'd be putting my money on. You know, you know, Buffalo has those weird, like, nonsensical losses every now and then. Yeah. I worry about that mm-hmm. coming postseason. Like, because like, – mm-hmm. And it's not even a Josh Allen thing. It's like their whole team just like take his collective mind day off. And that's really mm-hmm. tough to trust. But they are the best team in the AFC in terms of talent and, and coaching and, and the blending. So uh, it, it's tough to go against them. I will say, watch out for Baltimore. That team, if they figure Oof. out their secondary, they're going to be really, really good. Like they can't, they can't cover anything right now. So I, I, th- I think that's your final two in the AFC. Uh, Kansas mm-hmm. City, like, I, the, again – it's tough to trust them because they have those like nonsensical games and they are so heavily reliant on Patrick Mahomes that if Mahomes doesn't have a great day, they can't win. Um, mm-hmm. Buffalo doesn't have that problem with Josh Allen. Josh Allen can have a, a B plus or a, a, even a C plus day and they can, they still have ways to win. Kansas City doesn't have that. So I, I'm going to, I'll take Buffalo there. Uh, NFC, Philadelphia, man. Um, nothing against, nothing against the Vikings, not, nothing against mm-hmm. the Cowboys either. But, like they, they've yep. been good too, but I, I Philly, just the again, they have so many different paths to victory, and they're mm-hmm. they're showing that they aren't afraid to go down any of those paths. That makes them really tough to to, to doubt. So I, I got I got Philly and, and Buffalo there. 
Yeah, and you look at the Eagles' schedule, too. Pretty soft still remaining. Tough to find a loss here coming up anytime soon, anyways, for Philly. Probably locking up that one seed for sure. Could talk to you all day, my friend. Jeff Risden, writer for USA Today. Check out all his work on Lions Wire and co-host of the Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to give him a follow at Jeff Risden on Twitter. Jeff, I know you're one in six. Reggie and I say all the time, though, on this show, it's going to be a lot of fun when you guys finally put it all together. I promise you that. So keep the faith. Stay strong, my man. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Jeff Risden on Twitter, at Jeff Risden, covers the Detroit Lions and Cleveland Browns. He's also covered the Houston Texans, so you know that guy's seen some stuff in his day. Love that guy. Always brings the heat. What do you think? Any big takeaways there, Rich? Yeah, it was interesting getting his perspective on Dan Campbell and and Jim Caldwell. You know, we aren't there. You know, so mm-hmm. he understands that. He talks about how bad Matt Patricia was. We could have seen that from wherever we were. You know, he is he is probably on that list. You know, guys like Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. He mm-hmm. was an abject failure there. Um, so I, I get that. But it was it was interesting getting his perspective, talking about how Campbell is good from Monday to Saturday. And then like on that. Sunday, he's just yeah. not there. And then just going back to what he said about Hawkinson, I don't know that he inspired a lot of uh, you know whoever is listening to our to our our show here. You he know, calls it like it he, is. He, he well, he kind of described Irv Smith Jr. Though I feel yeah. like with yeah. what what they're gonna get in Hawkinson, I feel like it's very similar to what you could have said about Irv talking about these mm-hmm. lower body injuries and and you know the the blocking and you know he's talented he's a great receiver but there are some times where he just has these lulls and you're like dang man like all right way to kill excitement jeff but Mm -hmm. he's rarely ever wrong about anything the times that we've had him on this show he calls it like it is and he's usually always right yeah outside of irv the vikings have been incredibly healthy with this new training staff you hope knock on wood that maybe something can change for tj hawkinson's injury luck here not only that but the contract issue coming up here as well. You don't make a move like that unless you plan on signing that guy long-term, I would think anyways. We got time for one, give me one here real quick. But first, Vikes now 10-1 to to win the Super Bowl after that 6-1 and start. Vikings open the week as three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, outdoors, taking on the Washington Commanders. Over under currently sitting at 43 and a half. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with Bet Online. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it. They got it. Bet Online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs NFL, MLB, NBA, even MMA and UFC. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day in the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us a five-star review or Find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. You can also find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app and enjoy all our content and daily shows for free at your fingertips any day, anytime. All right, real quick. I know we're running low on time, but we got to do one. It's Gimme One. Gimme One. 
Give me one reason, Rich. The Timberwolves' starting five struggled so much more than the bench last night in their 116-107 loss to the Phoenix Suns. You saw Ant after the game looking at the box score saying, what's going on with the starting five here, man? Unbelievable. So, is there something that's just not meshing together right now? So the biggest reason is they just don't have any chemistry. Like mm -hmm. we talked about it. They're zigging. The league is zagging. And we were really trying to figure out how that was going to look this year. So far, it hasn't looked good. They haven't really played well together. And then you see Rudy had seven points, nine rebounds last night. That just that just can't happen. That's not why you brought a guy like that in. And look, this is pretty like damning stuff here from Charles Barkley. All right. He says he hated the Rudy Gobert trade. He said, that's because they got two seven-footers out there like idiots, Kenny. Nice trade. And so he said he hated the trade. They can't play in pick Her. and roll. He said it would have been fine in their day, but they can't guard in today's game, and they're not dominating in the paint offensively and defensively. So the, the crew at TNT, they said the West goes through Phoenix, Golden State, and the Clippers. And he said none of those guys got big dudes. So what is it to have what good is it to have two big dudes out there when they can't guard three pointers and, and et cetera, et cetera? So he did not like the trade. Basketball guys didn't seem to like the trade. And as this thing is playing out, it's kind of I don't know. I tweeted last night and I want to be wrong and I, I, I know it's early, but it just doesn't look like this thing is working. And I think it's because like they just look out of sorts. You know, you bring the, the the bench in and they go smaller and all of a sudden it just seems like the ball is moving better, shots are falling, and I don't know if they're pushing it too much. I don't know if they're just trying too hard. But, like, I just – and what other team and offense do you see two seven-footers out there just, you know, other than maybe like Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez? But look what Brooke Lopez is able to do. And he's also able to defend. Also, Giannis is just a freak athletically. You know, Rudy has some some freakish tendencies. We saw that block on Devin Booker early last night. But mm -hmm. as far as working that and, you know, sometimes Cat is just getting beat off the dribble. The defense is giving up points like, man, like Halloween candy. And it's just it's it's not looking good. I don't know what needs to happen. But it almost looks better when one of those bigs is on the bench and they are smaller. That's not what they brought Rudy there for. And they paid up quite right. a bit. They sold the farm to get Rudy there. Mm -hmm. And right now, it's just not a good thing. Yeah, tough pill to swallow here in Charles Barkley, kind of rip on that trade. But, you know, he's right. If you're going to have two seven-footers on the court at the same time, you better dominate that paint offensively and defensively. Hasn't been the case as of yet. Wolves, little chance to rebound here. They get a little break, and then they got four straight home games starting Friday, November 4th against the Milwaukee Bucks. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be back Monday to break it all down. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, you got to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
and join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku and Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing off. Be blessed. Spread love today. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.